It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. And we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, the Franchise Academy is a place where people come to learn about franchising, everything you ever wanted to know on how to build a franchise, how to buy a franchise, how to sell a franchise, how to turn your business into a franchise. But today we're talking about something really special and pivotal in running any business, franchised or not, and that's leadership. And we have an expert with us today by the name of Adam Freeberg. I'm sorry, Friedman. <laughs> and we will be talking with Adam in a second. So Adam is a seasoned entrepreneur, a startup veteran, and founder of the digital branding agency, Mabley. And he believes that brands are a reflection of culture, and exceptional cultures happen when people pursue purpose together. So as a co-founder of the best-selling book, The Science of Story, which I can't wait to talk about, the creator of, he's the creator of Pro Habits, a technology and operational values driven kind of app. Adam inspires organizations to transform and create more engaged cultures through supporting their people and professional growth. So Adam's book, The Science of Story, is based on two ideas, that brands are a reflection of culture and that culture is the result of purpose that inspires values that guide the habits, which also define the organization. And in the course of the research of the book, Adam interviewed more than 600 leadership experts and executives in America's top brands, and he wanted to really understand how purpose, values, and habits transform organizations at the human level by developing individual potential. The interviews inspired ProHabits, a positive psychology-based software that links professional habits to personal and organizational goals. Uh, Companies select tracks that support their values. And then individuals select a track that delivers daily micro habits that help them develop skills, focus, and teamwork. Productivity and empowerment is something that I've been actually doing myself as I've been preparing for this interview. So Pro Habits aggregates this data to deliver research that helps organizations understand the obstacles preventing engagement. And lastly, Adam believes that in a world of distractions, people seek deeper meaning in their lives and in their work. So a culture centered on uh, purpose is the key to attracting a tribe of customers and employees that are invested and engaged in your organization's success. So Adam has inspired countless organizations and individuals to make conscious choice to pursue purpose. And so I want to have Adam inspire us today on this podcast. Welcome, Adam Friedman. I'm excited, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Uh, This is so great. So what came first, the book or Pro Habits? Definitely the book. When I started that journey writing the book and interviewing the leaders, I was a contributing writer for Inc. And uh, that journey just opened up my eyes to the possibilities and the current state. I was reading on your website how so many employees think that their company is so disengaged with the daily activities and, and their lives as people. There's Gallup polls you have on the website and everything. So I've been kind of playing around with it a little bit myself. So every day 
again, I chose to get a text message and an email that says, hey, this is your focus today. And my focus today is focus and the habit that I could do to make myself more focused. It's like amazing that a company could take that information and pour it out to their employees, right? I mean, that's the purpose. That's exactly right. We go to the organization, we talk about what are the habits that you'd like to create? What are the challenges that you're experiencing? And um, then they create what we call a moment. There's a town hall, a workshop. People get excited. That's the opportunity for them to have the desire to grow, Tom. But then the challenge is what happens the day after. That's so true. I once read a book that was titled, You Can't Teach Someone to Ride a Bicycle in a Seminar. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it's that's that's the case, right? You go in. I mean, I you do a lot of speaking. You're all over the, actually the world internationally speaking on this topic. I do a lot of speaking, and I know, and I've been in audiences. And when you walk out the door, you're like, "Oh my god, that was so great!" The next day, you wake up and it's back to the old crap. Hundred percent. The research shows you forget ninety percent of what you learned within five days. And the question there is, what did you learn? Were you thinking about what was being presented? What was the stress level coming in? What was on your mind? And we're so distracted with technology now, right? You get it out of the seminar. And if you turned off your phone, if you didn't turn your phone, it kept buzzing. You kept being distracted. But you turn it back on, hundreds of notifications. Everything is gone. Oh, man. So true. Our phone is, you know, made, a, made us cyborgs. We have the whole world at our fingertips, but it's, the best thing that ever happened, and in many cases, the worst thing that ever happened to humanity today. (laughs) So during your interviews of 500 leaders out there, you know, for the first book, Science of Story, what insights surprised you the most? So the foundation of the book, Tom, was all about the idea of where do stories come from? Every leader says they're a storyteller these days, right? Yeah. No exception. It doesn't matter if they're external stories or internal. So I would ask, where do your stories come from? And Tom... As I listened to the responses from the majority of the organizations, it puzzled me. The responses were, well, we tell stories that our customers are interested in. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's a, that's a good perspective. But really, how does that connect to what you believe, where you stand for? We talk about purpose, we talk about values, but they became disconnected from most organizations. And more importantly, the people that answered that question, I could see them fading in their responses. They were more excited about telling me what happened last weekend as we chit-chatted before the interview than they were talking about these topics because they themselves were not aligned to what they were discussing. Meanwhile, there were a number, a small percentage, but we call them progressive organizations that lit up. When these leaders talked about their storytelling, their purpose, the values, the stand they want to make in the world, they were truly igniting and uh, alive. So that was my first surprise. Wow. So there's just a small handful of groups that actually embrace this kind of thing. So what is the challenge then for an organization that that's not, you know, they're just talking the talk, but they're not really walking the walk. You, you read it in my bio that there's a, the word that I keep coming back to. It's a conscious, conscious, and it's a choice. But it's not simple. This isn't something a leader of an organization wakes up in the morning, comes to work next day and says, you know what, this is what we stand for in the world, Tom, (laughs) especially if they've been around for 50, 100 years. So there is a process to go through. And that process is to unite your leadership team and then to communicate. And this isn't a once a year retreat sort of thing. 
or once a year town hall where we just say, hey, rah, rah, we're going to do this. And then we forget about it until next year. This is something that you that you have to mean, they have to live, you have to be authentic about it, you have to be vulnerable if you're not living up to it. It's um, ambitious in some ways. So yes, that's the challenge. It's a true transformation that requires in a way that organizations think all the way from the top down. Right. So, it's, and it stops, it starts with the top, right? I mean, you, always. So it's the CEOs and the presidents of these companies. Uh, and even, you know, where, what I want to kind of get to is you're helping organizations and organiz, you know, the regular kind of American corporation is different than an American franchise organization because mm-hmm. yes, franchises have many employees, the bigger the franchise, the more employees. However, the real body of people are their franchisees. Mm-hmm. And so the franchisee and the franchisor relationship is almost like kind of a marriage. Mm-hmm. So you're a partner and you both have your separate roles, but you have to play together nice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times there's culture snafus that happen. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you, the person that runs the business, like if, if the franchise is based in Oklahoma City, so the people around the Midwest might deal with that culture a little bit better as opposed to someone living on the East or the uh, West coasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so can pro habits help with that kind of culture clash across a franchise organization? Well, let's think about culture. Let's, let's demystify just a bit and break it down into very simple terms. The way we see it, purpose inspires, values guide and habits define. In our view, it's what you do every day that matters. So if your culture is about words on the website, words on the walls, right? Hey, welcome to our franchise. We believe in integrity. We believe in innovation. See you later. (laughs) That isn't something that you can scale across. That's completely subject to interpretation. It's as abstract and as vague as it gets. Mm. And of course, it's not even a franchise. Two individuals will misinterpret that. Now, if you break it down into here's what it means daily, here's what it means for every leader, for every frontline leader, because Tom, 70% of the reason people leave the organization is their direct manager. Mm. So really, it's not about the message at the top or even at the local top level. It's about the people leaders Mm. in, in what they do every day and how they grow toward that culture, toward that vision. So yes, for habits is a way to distill, to translate it into baby steps that you can make every day that are less than two minutes. And that, so the baby steps is really what I love about the program that you provide. And, and I share with people all the time, you know, the people I work with are frustrated with their career and they want to quit and buy a franchise. Most of the people I work with and, and I, as I delve into it, you're so right. People do not quit their job. They quit their boss. Totally. There's plenty of research to support it. and makes perfect sense. They define your experience, your direct boss. They define your experience as an employee within that organization. It's amazing. That is amazing. What past businesses were you involved in that really led you to become like an entrepreneur and, and a leader and, and a culture captain that you are now? Uh, with pro habits. I appreciate it, Tom. And, um, you know, there are too many to list. 
we, we don't have enough time and, and majority are failed, the, or as you would say, were lessons learned. But I think my most epic one was during the Great Recession in real estate. Ah. I, I was uh, in a small way contributed to the bubble that was created here in Chicago and uh, experienced the full wrath of what it looks like to be a bit irresponsible, but also to be at the wrong time, in the wrong place, wrong industry at the, at the wrong time. But I walked away with one major lesson is pick what you're passionate about and just double down, build your life's work. Right? The people talk about work-life balance. We live here. We work here. There's a divide. I, I firmly believe in life's work. Do what you love, do what you're passionate. And that's when I began my career as a digital entrepreneur. And that's what led to what you see here today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's an amazing thing that you've built. But I want to define, because you're so good at this, when you talk about passion, what, what does that mean to you? Because a lot of people, before I let you answer, a lot of people call me and are like, I'm really passionate about golf, so I want to buy a franchise that has to do with golf. I don't believe that that is really what they should do, and I don't believe that's really passion. It's just something that you enjoy. It's a pastime. Tom, are you a fan of Maslow's work? I am. So Maslow has this concept of a crooked picture. Mm -hmm. The idea of a crooked picture is there are some people that walk by it and they can walk by it, no problem. And there are some that are going to stop and say, I must adjust this. So what Maslow refers to there is the idea of self-actualization, finding your vacation, finding your purpose in 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 the world, find your crooked frame that you want to fix. So when people talk about passion, I think they often fall in love with the possibilities. And as soon as the reality sets in, we start to waver. But if you fall in love with the crooked frame, if you find your purpose in life, your purpose in the world, I think you become not just unstoppable, you become tenacious and you'll do whatever it takes. And as in the words of Viktor Frankl, one of my favorite books, Men's Search for Meaning. Men's Search for Meaning. Yeah. Must once, read. once you have your why, you can bear with any how. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah, he's a, uh, Victor Frankl's an idol of mine. Same. Good stuff. Yeah, I haven't talked about that book in a long time. So thanks for bringing that up. Uh, anybody who's listening or watching right now, uh, write that down. Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. You must read this book. It is fascinating. And since we, you hit on it, I gotta, we got to talk about it for a second. It's Viktor Frankl was a uh, psychologist or psychiatrist, I'm not sure, in Poland, I think it was. Uh, and then there was the German occupation and, and, you know, the Holocaust. And he was a prisoner in, I don't know if it was Dachau or Auschwitz or one of the concentration camps. And he survived it because he had a why. And his why was to get out of there to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And then he went on, you know, he lived years after that and talked about it. He lost his wife and his whole family to the whole thing. Uh, And he survived. And he talks about it's so inspiring, Mm -hmm. such a dark story. But the lessons were just unbelievable. They really are, Tom. He was about three years ago as I began writing our first book. I came across that book 
I went back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and began to consume books on personal growth. And that's when it occurred to me that what we talk about passion in today's world is often, you know, dreams, it's, it's desires, it's, it's almost, unless it's rooted in something very deep within you. So the word passion, I would replace much, much more with purpose, with meaning, with your vacation. Once you find that, that's when you know. That's, and that's what I like, that definition, because I'm, I'm out there telling people, you know, all day long, don't follow your passion. What you think your passion is into a business, you'll, you'll go broke very fast. <laughs> you got to have a reason for, for doing it. There's got to be a why, you know, to, to inspire people, to help people, you know, whatever it is, you know, great point. And, and so the pro habits helps with that. All right, we're the reminder, Tom. We're the reinforcement. We're the a way for us to stay on our track. And in and, and the world of franchising, as I'm sure you know, the impact of the franchising industry on the United States, on giving people opportunity, it's profound. Yeah. So really, go ahead, please. No, no, I'm totally agreeing with you. You know, I mean, myself, I was a subway conductor in New York City. I worked for the subway for 13 years, decided I wanted to scratch this entrepreneurial itch that I couldn't stop. And I uh, got, was a uh, franchise consultant uh, with the company I work with, uh, a company called Franchise, and she matched me to a smoothie franchise. And everybody thought I was nuts because I was leaving the government job where you you can't get fired, you know? You just have to show up and you get paid. You don't have to work, you just have to show up. And I love the people there and I miss the people, but man, you know, I, I turned my life around and, and then, you know, built businesses, built them, sold them, you know, had a really, really severe failure in one, which is where really where I learned everything about being a franchise expert. Failure always helps with that. And anyone that's out there listening, you know, you have to get a couple of dollars together and you have to have a decent credit score, but you can change your entire life around by owning a franchise of the freedom that comes with it. And, and, and just really the purpose, because a lot of people are doing it as a second act. Mm -hmm. There's, there's really no one coming out of college and buying a franchise, but it's typically people that are, you know, north of 35 years old and they want to change their direction. And it's not just, you know, when somebody calls me and says, oh, I just, just tell me which one makes the most money. That's the one I want to buy. I'm like, no, you don't. You have no idea. And, and if that's all you're thinking about, then I don't even want to work with you because it's not, that's not what it's about. So you got to find something that aligns to, to you, right? Because this is not going to be an overnight thing. It's not going to take one or two years. And uh, once you get into it, as you said it right before the interview, it, it's a marriage. Yeah, it's a marriage and you got to work on it. And like they say, you know, marriage, the first year of marriage is always the hardest. The first year in business is definitely the hardest. And it gets easier as time goes on, but you got to commit, you know, three years of, of blood, sweat and tears to make it work for sure. Boy, is that true. <laughs> so in, the, in your second book, this the science of values, which is scheduled for publication next year. How does this book connect to the work that you've been doing with Pro Habits? Yeah, so let's go straight to the question that got me here. You know, back to what are the values of organizations? We've done the research. We looked at Fortune 500 companies. They can all be distilled down to eight or nine. You know, it's your typical teamwork, collaboration, innovation, integrity, 
integrity is actually one of my favorites to unpack. What the hell does that mean, Tom? My, my puzzle is, if you work in an organization, do you have a technology to help you with days off? There's a workflow for that. Do you have a workflow for project management? Do you have a workflow for entering orders for accounting and finance? What's your workflow for values? <laughs> and wow. if it, there is no workflow, then why would your CEO get on stage and say, this is the most important thing that we have in our organization? Well, you're not doing anything about it. You're not investing into it. You're not creating a workflow for me. So you're basically saying the most important things are people. We'd like our values to be X. Now go take care of yourselves. Go figure out how to bring it to life. Go interpret it yourselves and go then work with your own teams to decide what's next. Wow. That's the gap that I'm trying to solve for. And our book is a way to say, here's what we've learned. Pro Habits is giving us insights and data into how to translate values to life. But you don't have to work with Pro Habits. Take our lessons. Take the big things and translate them into little things. So if there's a franchise company listening and if that statement just resonated with them, they could contact you and, and you could work with a company one-on-one to help develop their Pro Habit formulas, right? That's right. We, we take their values, their purpose, and we translate it specifically in the context of their organization, their roles, and their culture. Or we do have some of our uh, available, we call them ProTracks, areas of growth that we can plug and play for organizations. They can also read our blog at prohabits.com or my almost 300 articles written on inc.com where they can learn from the interviews as I've learned it, right from the front lines. Mm -hmm. So much data. So aside from the stories and the lessons learned, there's there's real hard data to to back up everything that you're doing with Pro Habits. I can tell you some funny anecdotes, Tom, on the data what we learned. Uh, One of our funniest, I think, is this idea that people are very optimistic in the morning. (laughs) You know, people are very, they're more likely to commit in the morning to doing something. But if they've committed, they will, 83% will finish that action that day. So our technology really delivers a morning notification via email or text. And we ask you, do you commit to doing the simple thing that day? Recognize good work. Set aside two minutes for, to, to just be silent. Think about your purpose and why you do what you do throughout the day. Little things, little thought patterns that fire neurons. And uh, the fun fact that I'm describing is the idea that we got to get them in the morning to commit. Once they commit, they're likely to do it. Huh. Yeah, very cool. I mean, I love it. I get, I get my thing every day, my, my little text message, and, uh, and I'm on my mission. And, you know, and it's part of my, I have a morning routine anyway with, you know, meditation and yoga and journaling and all that. So I just made it part of that because it really just takes a minute. So mm-hmm. great deal. So what other thought leaders and authors and those kind of people have inspired you? Because that's one of my favorite topics. I, I can't, you know, not talk about Simon Sinek. He was one of the early interviews for my ink column. And um, I think he was instrumental in getting the science story guided toward the idea of purpose. Yeah. I, Brene Brown, I, I was at a conference earlier this year. I was a speaker at Work Human and she closed the event with a standing ovation. Yeah. She's absolutely spectacular. As I mentioned, Maslow, I keep going back to his books and his earlier works. Victor Frankl, we talked about Tim Ferriss. And Tools of Titans, I think, is incredible. I've got the book. This is what I do with that book. I've got notes. I've got highlights. I keep going back because it's infinite possibilities. Sean Aker, The Happiness Advantage. 
opened yeah. up my eyes to the positive psychology, spoken to his team a few times. I, I think those are, um, those are the biggest ones. Yeah. All fantastic people, all doing great things in the world. And, and uh, you know, again, if you're listening in, you know, look up some of those authors. They got some great books. Their seminars are phenomenal. If you could take out, you know, two days and go see Simon talk about what he's working on. Simon Sinek, I mean, an amazing individual, really amazing, great stories. And, and some of the things that I have found, I do a lot of those seminars myself. I always said that if, if these kind of, if this industry had like baseball cards, you know, I would be collecting these cards uh, with everybody's stats about, uh, you know, the positive psychology and the books and the self-help and all that. But what I've noticed is that I've made so many friends sitting in the audience, talking to people that are, are on the same mission that I'm on, you know, and then, you know, even like you, you know, the more I hear you talk, the more I realize there's a reason why we kind of linked up here, even though it was through technology, we found each other on on LinkedIn and here we are. So um, there's all reasons behind that. If you don't talk about what you believe, there's no chance to connect with others who share your belief. And even more importantly, if you don't know what you believe. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a whole nother problem. That's really good stuff. What's one myth about leadership that you would like to break or bust? A myth. Well, I think there is this idea that workshops are are part of the answer. Mm -hmm. And um, if I told you, Tom, the stats of how much money is being spent on workshops globally, you, you wouldn't believe it. I, I think that the challenge is that workshops are just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is this, the, I, it's almost like saying, I'm going to get fit. And I'm going to get fit by going to a three-day lesson. And I'm going to emerge and I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't need a plan. I don't, I don't need a process what I do after. So the myth for me is that a workshop should be seen as just the beginning and a very clear roadmap must be established on how you proceed to grow as a leader. The other element for me is I've talked to enough leaders where I find that they have gotten to a place where they say we're good. And I think, I believe that a leader that isn't growing, I believe that a leader that accepts that they've reached the, you know, enlightenment in leadership is a fallacy. I think that is an endless journey. I I totally agree. You know, they say uh, readers are leaders. And so you always have to be reading. As somebody's listening to this podcast now and they are in a franchise, um, maybe they're struggling as a new franchisee or maybe they're a leader of a franchise organization. Any books that you would recommend that they should read right now? I think that Simon Sitting should be foundational, filed by Bernay Brown, because I think a lot of especially leaders that are just starting out, they have a challenge with vulnerability and how to communicate with their teams honestly and openly. I think a lot of people fall into a pattern of this is what I must be like. I must be formal. I must be uh, authoritative. People are going to, you know, this is the way that I should be based on movies, based on corporate experiences. And I think those two books would open up the mind to, wait, I could be me. I can bring my whole self 
into work and not have this pit in my stomach or have the you know cognitive dissonance in my mind as I divide between the nice person I am at home and who I believe I must be when I go to work. I, I'm in pursuit of Brene Brown to get her on this podcast. So if you have any hooks, let me know. I, I, I tried to get her on an interview for my second book and uh, their team was extremely polite, but uh, she's busy. She yeah. just did a Netflix original um, that really is amazing as well. So good luck, Tom. Yeah, exactly. I just, what I just saw a movie and she was like, did a cameo. Oh my goodness. It was like a, it was a, it was a chick flick. Now it's coming back to me. So my wife was like, oh, she watches this. something about six girls on vacation at a winery and they walk into a restaurant and Brene is there and they freak out and they're like, oh my God. And they like attack her. Like, I need to answer this question for me. It was just so great. I was like, look at Brene. She's awesome. So awesome. So I appreciate that. And uh, the whole vulnerability aspect and, and kind of like, you know, for me, like at the beginning of this interview, I mispronounced your name uh, and it's not Freeberg, but it's Freeman. And before knowing Brene Brown's work, I'd be like mortified and I would want to, you know, hit stop and start over. But, you know, I'm, I'm human. What am I, you know, I, I screwed up. <laughs> Sorry. Right, Tom. And from my perspective, no, no offense whatsoever. I know what happens. We are all humans. Yeah. So then, I mean, that's the size of it. So really, really good. So how can people get in touch with you and your organization? Well, prohabits.com is really the best way. Or on LinkedIn, Adam Friedman. I'm very open to conversations, open to keep learning, open to hearing different perspectives. So either LinkedIn or our website, prohabits.com. Prohabits.com. That's great. And your book's available probably on the website and Amazon, of course. Amazon.com, Science of Story. Yeah, Science of Story, Adam Friedman. So I appreciate your time. This has really uh, been insightful for me. We probably have a lot more that we could expand on. And so we should probably do another interview sooner rather than later. That'd be awesome, Tom. It's a little pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, this is great. We'll get in touch again. Well, I'll get, I'll get to your team and, and we'll, we'll book something because I, there's some, some specific things I know that we want to definitely talk about and, and expose for, for the franchise community. Awesome, Tom. So thank you, my friend. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for everyone who's watching. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.